0: We're now gonna get into our message, so prepare your hearts to hear a word from God this morning. See you. Great to see you. For those of you um, who've just been wondering where I've been, I haven't necessarily been on vacation, but I have taken some time off. Uh, two Sundays ago, I woke up at five in the morning and uh, texted all the pastors and said, Hey, I cannot come in today. Uh, here are my sermon notes. Do whatever you need to do. And then went and then fell asleep until like two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, a couple of days later, found out that after all my world travels this last year, I, even with my wife having it and not quarantining at all or stopping kissing or anything, we, uh, I, I finally got COVID after all that time. So then this past Sunday I had to miss. We called Travis up. I'm like, hey, are you, uh, are you busy on, on Sunday? And so he came and preached last week. And uh, I'm all better. Uh, I just slept a lot and played video games with my kids. It was probably, you know, it was, I I was sick, but glad to, uh, glad to be back here today. And um, so we've been in a series this month in, uh, it's called Off the Hook. We've been talking about mercy and we've been in three chapters of the Bible, Romans nine, 10 and 11. Travis talked last week, starting out of uh, the first half of chapter 11, and I'll be looking at the second half, and mercy, for an easy definition, is God not giving us what we deserve. And we think, well, what do I deserve, what do, you know, if you're not familiar with... Um, if you're not familiar with, with, with God, you're not familiar with some of the understanding of, of sin and how far removed we are from God, we deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. We deserve, um, we deserve uh, consequences for our sin. And that is true for every single person whether it's the one and a half year old in the kids' room or the 89 year old saint joining us online, it is every single one of us deserve punishment for the sin that we've done and, the, and, and honestly just the sin that we've been born into. And God's grace gave us Jesus And through his mercy, the punishment of our sin was placed on Jesus. And if we want to, we can place our life underneath Jesus, underneath his covering. We can believe Jesus, follow Jesus, and worship Jesus. And if we do that, then we receive mercy. That's the the punishment we deserve, the punishment that God should give us, he decides not to give us, but instead he's placed it on Jesus. It's amazing, it's an amazing thing to comprehend, an amazing thing that should motivate us when we worship, an amazing thing that just helps us to remember the story of Jesus was a necessary one and it was one that benefits us every day of our life. In the first week, we talked about how mercy is something you can receive, but you don't have to. You do have that choice to choose to pay for the price of your own sin. And um, that eternal punishment happens in a place that you may have heard of before called hell. And some people think that there's no way they could ever avoid that, but they haven't understood mercy. They don't yet understand why Jesus is good news because an eternal punishment is not anything that any of us have to ever receive. The second week, the week that I texted the staff at 5 a.m., they all taught about how mercy is for everyone, and we don't ever, ever wanna forget that. Travis, last week, talked about cherishing mercy and sharing mercy, and today, as we finish, I wanna talk about misunderstanding mercy, that you you can wrongly apply it to your life and as a recipient of mercy, you can, um, you can think through the application of other people in the wrong way. Next week, July 4th, we're starting our Anthem Series, which is a series we do every year. I want to invite you back for that. We take a song from culture and a song from the Bible and compare or contrast the two. Uh, sometimes a song is about a song in the Bible, and, and we'll, we'll make that correlation for you. We've got uh, four artists on highlight this year is a Toby Keith song, Cage the Elephant, R.E.M., and Coldplay. Those are the four weeks. And then we'll be talking about Psalm 2, Psalm 1, Psalm 42, and Psalm 52. There's going to be a great series in July that we invite you back to. If you got your Bibles, I already told you where we're going to be. Romans 11, the second half of it today. And we're going to start reading at verse number 25. And I'm just going to read this entire passage here through the end of, of uh, verse number 36. So I just invite you to follow along and, um, and then we'll talk through this together. Paul writes, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will only last until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved. As the scriptures say, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn away Israel from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. Many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead." Now they are the rebels and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. It's an amazing passage of scripture that we're going to attempt to talk through this morning. But as I look at the scripture and and, and look at a uh, um, talk and and think about what I'm about to tell you, it reminds me of the story that happened last summer. Uh, we had gone camping with uh, as uh, as just a. Uh, all the staff and, and pastors at the church, we had gone on the camping trip together. Uh, I think maybe it was Memorial Day last year. And so we had to go to the grocery store to pick up something, I don't remember what, marshmallows or, or water, I don't know. But when we were at the grocery store, I'll never forget, we're at the checkout register and so it's me and, uh, and it's all the guys. And when we get to the register, the, the guy bagging, who was probably like 17 years old, he said a question that I would never have expected to be asked in this rural town in New Hampshire. He looked at all of us, all of your pastors, and he said, are you guys a gang? <laughs> and I remember like, did you guys hear that? This is the coolest day of my life. <laughs> and I said, no, actually. We're pastors. Like, I don't know how, how opposite we can be from what you've just asked us. But yeah, he thought we were a gang. So you, you've got that. I, 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 and I think about this, all right? So that kid clearly misunderstood. I, don't, I, I, I still have no idea why he thought that. Maybe it was Pastor Andrew's neck tattoos. I'm not sure. <laughs> I have no idea why he thought that. But this morning, as we talk about mercy, we can completely misunderstand mercy and interpret it as something so far off from what it actually is. I want to teach you, um, as we look at the first part of the scripture, about two dangerous thoughts on mercy, two misunderstandings of mercy, and two things that are really very far off from mercy. And uh, and at first, it does seem like Well, hopefully, if you've kind of got these things going on in your life, it will correct it. It will, um, you'll be able to identify that. And then, if these aren't anything that you've walked through, that will guard our hearts from this. So, the first sounds like mercy, but it isn't. And Paul begins to warn about these in this writing. And so two misunderstanding, two dangerous thoughts on mercy, two misunderstandings of mercy. One is tolerance and the other is pride. So tolerance. What happens is we begin to understand mercy and we begin to think through tolerance, what we end up doing is saying that mercy isn't needed. And that's a misunderstanding because God's, Punishment and every person deserves punishment, and all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. But when we begin to say, "You know what?" But they're good people. I don't think God would judge them. They have good intentions. I don't think God would judge them. They have uh, 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 you, you know good manners, good habits, good attitude. I don't think God would judge them. And this is a way we think that God's mercy covers everyone, except it only covers those who are underneath Jesus and have yielded their life and said, all right, Jesus, you're my Lord. And then mercy applies to them. And in Romans 9, 10, and 11, what Paul's been talking about, all right, he's talking to Roman people who are not Jewish people, and he's teaching them about Jewish people. And so he says, the Jewish people, they are God's chosen people. They are God's, um, uh, 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 God's absolute family. They are loved by God. He has picked them and chosen them and made promises to them and covenants to them. And when you look at the Jewish people, they are moral. They are religious. When the Bible says, here's what you're gonna do to follow me, they said, That's a little bit too easy. We wanna even stay further away from that so they add additional rules to that so they can stay far, far away from sin and from dishonoring any of the commandments of God. They worship God. They try to honor God in their life. And you can look at the Jewish people and what Paul's writing here, you can look at them and say, I don't think they need mercy. They seem to be doing a great job. They've got, for the most part, good heart. They've got good intentions. They've got good morals. They've got good values. I don't know that they need Jesus. It seems like things aren't good. But if you compare that with the Romans, especially the Roman soldiers, the Roman soldiers were cruel. They were abusive. They were vile. And you can look at them and say, I don't think they need mercy either. They need judgment. But what... Paul is expressing in 9, 10, and 11, and something for us to understand, he, what he was showing them is the Jewish faith and the Christian faith, are, they are not the same. And for us to identify and to realize as well that the Christian faith is not the same as not just the Jewish faith, but any other faith. And when we begin to think that mercy is... Just that God just extends it on everyone, or that some people don't need mercy because God has a different path for them, then we are misunderstanding mercy. The Jewish people were given great blessings from God, great uh, promises from God, but without Jesus, those blessings are they're, they're, they're for not because when this life ends, all those without Jesus have to pay the price for their own sin. Paul dedicates himself to evangelism, to traveling the world to tell people about Jesus. He's bringing Gentiles to Jesus, it says here in this passage, so that the Jewish people will grow jealous and turn to Jesus themselves. His motivation, his understanding, and what we need to understand is, yeah, Jews need Jesus. Just because they know God the Father, just because they're religious, that doesn't mean that they're exempt from from needing mercy. And that just, we need to help us to understand that just because you've grown up in church, just because your parents are church, just because you check off the box Christian on some sort of flyer or survey, attending church does not mean mercy applies to you. Mercy is only available to those who receive Jesus as their savior. Savior of what? Savior from punishment. So we can't just say, oh, I don't think, I just don't think God will judge people. I don't think that's true. I think God's good. I think God's love. And yeah, God is good. God is love. God is just, as we talked about the first week. So we can't, a a misunderstanding of mercy would say, you're good. You're fine. I don't need to tell them about Jesus. They are nice people. Tolerance is a temptation for us in our culture today. We can begin to say things like, is it really sin we can think will God really judge and we can think do they really need the gospel how will Jesus make their life better they have a pretty good life already you know what sometimes when you choose to follow Jesus it doesn't make your life better it makes your life worse it makes your eternity better though Uh, Pastor Rob Ketterling, I don't know if he said this at the conference we went to a couple weeks ago or if he said it in another setting where I heard him talk, but he was talking about a church in Thailand, I believe. And um, when he went to this large church there, at one point in the service, they would say, Whose birthday is this month? And all the people with the birthday in that month, they'd all stand up and then they'd start singing Happy Birthday. Uh, a a Christian version of happy birthday. And they had ushers come and bring cake out to all the people in the church service. and, And the pastor's like, this is kind of weird, but we'll go with it. Sing happy birthday to people in the church. And after the service, he talked to the pastor. Talk to me about that. Why did you do that? The pastor of the church said, when these people chose to follow Jesus, their family disowned them. And so this, we are their family now. This is the only birthday they receive. Choosing to follow Jesus didn't make their, immediately, their, immediately, their immediate life better. But what did it do? It changed their eternity. And we can begin to say, well, if they follow Jesus, they'll lose so much. I don't really want to introduce them with Jesus because that's not fair to them. What kind of twisted understanding of the good news of Jesus have we begun to identify. We need to get a much greater understanding of the judgment and wrath of God and the mercy and grace of God and elevate both those things in our life to say, Jesus is great for everyone. And the mercy of God is beneficial for everyone. And the salvation that comes through Jesus alone is necessary for everyone. They don't have to choose it, but I'm gonna present it and I'll let them know how great he is and how great it is to be forgiven of our sin, even if that means being forsaken by our family. The second thing that he talks about through here is pride. And this is just thinking too much of yourself. And so you've received mercy at some point in your life or maybe just you've become so religious that you think that it accounts for something and we forget the mercy that we've received, we begin to think somehow that we've gained it. It's a personal accomplishment that we followed Jesus, that we've been transformed, that we reflect Jesus, that we've been sanctified, that our old problems aren't our problems anymore and we're, we're pretty good people. And we begin to think that I've done it, I've achieved it, I've accomplished it. And this is what Paul is, he's warning them. Don't become prideful. This is something that, it was, that has happened with the Jewish people at this time. We are God's chosen people. And they just kinda hung their head on that. Yeah, God will always accept us. God will never judge us. God will, He's always gonna bless us. He has to, we're his chosen people. First Corinthians one thirty one says this, therefore, as the scriptures say, if you wanna boast, boast only about the Lord. If you're gonna boast, you boast only about Jesus. We don't stand on, oh, look how great my family is. Look how great my life is. Look how, how, how blessed I am. Man, are and I something? Everything in our life is, able, is, is pointing toward Jesus. And there's any testimony or anything I can brag about in my life, it's only because Jesus. It's only because of him and what he's done. And so we've got we've to begin to to look at that and evaluate that, what happens is that the more prideful you are, then you begin looking down on other people. You look at their problems and how far they are, and you look at their walk with Jesus, and begin to think, why are they doing that? Why are they acting like that? They've been saved for about 35 minutes. Why aren't they more like me? I've been following the Lord for 35 years, and we begin to not allow other people to walk under the grace of God. We don't allow other people to walk in the same grace that we had when we were learning how to follow him. When we share Jesus with people and we evangelize the name of Jesus, it needs to be done in humility. So it's never, I'm better than you. It's always about Jesus. And it's in humility We're sometimes I've met people who are more angry at sinners than they are at Satan. And they're mad about people's behaviors, but they're not mad about an enemy who's seeking to destroy their life. This can be a symptom of pride. The outcome of tolerance and the outcome of, of, of pride is a hard heart and we read this in verse number 25, it said some of the people of Israel had hard hearts. The people of Israel, they they wouldn't follow Jesus, they saw him, they heard him, they witnessed his miracles, they rejected all of the the evidence, they rejected his call on their life, and their hearts grew hard. I wanna give you some signs of a hard heart. All right, because we're gonna do a self-evaluation test right here. I won't make you raise your hands. The hard hearts won't raise their hands anyway. Um, but some things for you, because these things creep in subtly and we don't know that it's happening. First is that you're unforgiving. So whether it's the... Um, whether it's the cashier who calls you a gang member, whether it's the person in the church parking lot who, who does a fender bender, whether it's your kid who's mistreated you, whether it's someone who said something to you, a boss, a coworker, a friend, you just begin. It used to be kind of one person that you wouldn't forgive. Now it seems to be maybe three. It used to be one offense that you... We're having a hard time forgiving now, and you're holding a grudge about now, it seems to be about 300. And you recognize, wait, what is going on in my life? That now I've been, have this growing list of people that I don't want to talk to, be around, that these growing list of situations that I won't forgive over. Second sign of a hard heart is that you're unmoved, and, and for this specifically, unmoved at by the plight of others you don't think about people who are far from God you don't think about people who haven't uh, experienced and known Jesus you you're not thinking about um, about ways to introduce people to the good news of Jesus it can be because of tolerance and you're more concerned about people liking you than you are about saving them we, don't, we just don't think of it in the, those dire consequences that it is salvation. They're being saved from punishment. And so this, just think about it this way, all right? You're at the lake, you're, you're at the, the beach and someone's out drowning and your approach is to compliment them on their bathing suit. This is... This is the dilemma of tolerance. This, oh, you are, you are good. You, I'm, you know, I go to church. You're fine. And not ever thinking or praying about or hoping. Sometimes you're even hoping they don't ask your question because you're afraid of giving the wrong answer. Oh, that person's drowning out there. I hope they don't ask me to rescue them. I, I'm not very proficient at swimming. I hope, this is my, this is my time. I don't want to even be, bo- I'm here at the beach today reading my book. I don't want them to bother me. I hope someone else takes care of it. There's no concern for people who are far from God and sometimes we don't even think they're, far from God, (laughs) look at them, they're so silly out there, choking and coughing, (laughs) silly kids. We are unresponsive, another sign of a hard heart, unresponsive to the presence of God. So I know and understand we are, everybody's got different personalities, we all respond to God different, there's not a form or function, there's not a right way to respond, to the presence of God, but it's the question, have you felt the presence of God? It is a tangible thing that you can experience. It's not the only way to experience God, but if you begin to think like, I remember feeling the presence of God about a decade ago, I don't think I have since. Well, it could show you that your heart has been hardened. You're, you just, Church is church. The words preach, you can't think of the last time that God spoke to you through a sermon. I tell you what, that's not my problem. It's not my fault you haven't been moved by the preaching of the word of God. doesn't matter how terrible I am. It's your fault if you're not moved by God's word that is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not my job to move you. It's your job to say, God, your word's being preached. Speak to me, transform me, and change me. And when was the last time you asked God to even move you or to move in your heart? And then another sign of a hard heart, obviously is being unmerciful. You see someone drowning in the lake or the ocean and you begin lecturing them about buying their bathing suit with a credit card. I know you're drowning, but you're also drowning in debt. (laughs) And you just begin throwing judgment upon them and saying, oh, I know things are bad for you. Can I point out all the other ways things are bad for you? This is probably God judging you for the things you've done and the decisions you've made. And this is what's going on for Israel, though the promise here in scripture is that the hardening of their heart is not complete yet, and also that it's not permanent. And he says there will be a great number who will follow Jesus after the full amount of Gentiles have been reached. After the full amount of people without Jewish heritage have come to know Christ, there'll be a great number of Jewish people who follow Jesus. If this morning you begin to recognize, wait a minute, I think maybe my heart is growing hard, a couple of things for you to encourage you. First, it's not complete yet. To even think, and recognize, I think my heart has begun to decay or grow hard or grow religious. To even think that or ask that, it's a beautiful thing because it shows you it hasn't been completed yet. There's a uh, 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 word to describe, you know, there's a word to describe people, apostasy or apostate that you've gone, you've, fought, you've removed yourself so far from God. Well, you're not there yet if you're still here thinking, God is my heart, hard," And the other great thing is that it is not permanent. And God can do some surgery in you this morning where he brings a softness to your heart again. Where you experience his presence, where you are moved by the, by 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 other people and how they have not been able to experience Jesus. What do we do to begin to soften that heart? Repentance is always our first step. Something we've done has caused us to turn away from God. And usually it's idolatry, it's worshiping someone or something else other than Jesus. And it's been work, worshiping overtime. It's been worshiping your house or your landscape or your garden or your car or your recreation or your problems and your anxieties and your just worshiping something else other than Jesus begins to, and we repent of that. Jesus, it's all about you. It only needs to be about you. Forgive me for forgetting you. You begin to soften your heart by worshiping Him. And you get the opportunity to do that at worship night tonight at the Milton location, 5 p.m. Yeah, cool. But worshiping Him because we come in, when our heart's hard, we come in and we say, the band didn't play my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> that singer's singing off key. I don't even know why I'm here. Why is it get to This It's always so loud at worship night. Nah, nah, nah. That's what a hard heart, how it responds. But instead we come in and we say, hey, Jesus, I'm not a very good singer. Jesus, I don't really know this songs. Jesus, I'm not a type of person who raises my hand, but you know what? I'm gonna very, I'm gonna, this is for you, Jesus. I love you. And I thank you for being my savior and my Lord and my God and my healer my friend and my advocate. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. I thank you for making me right with your Father God. I thank you for allowing me to be a co-heir with you of your kingdom. I thank you for my church family and the brothers and sisters. I thank you that I got to serve today. I thank you that I got to give today. I thank you that I got to pray today. I thank you that I got to read your word today. Thank you for your word that you speak to me through it. Thank you for your word that you correct me through it. Thank you for your word that you rebuke me through it. Thank you for your word that you transform me through it. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what they're singing. If you show up tonight and it's all Christmas carols, joy to the world that you're here, that you came, that you love us. Last verse here, and I'll close in prayer. It says, for God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience, so he can have mercy on everyone. Everyone doesn't mean everyone here. Your scripture might say, so God, to could have mercy mercy on all. All doesn't mean all. This is not universalism where all ways lead to heaven. All paths point to God. Everyone makes it to heaven one day. Romans 10, 9, and 10, we talked about a couple weeks ago, very clear. The only way to be saved is by accepting Jesus. The salvation of the Jewish people in this scripture, it is not inevitable, it is not collective, but it is individual. And it has to do with each person deciding to accept Jesus Christ for their own. And that's true for us and for our families, for our country, for our friends. Promise made is a promise you can receive, but it is one you can reject. The everyone here means all kinds of people, Jew, Gentile, male, female, um, uh, white, black, Indian, uh, Asian, all kinds of, everyone, from every walk of life, from every place on earth is gonna hear Jesus and receive him. There's not one person that will not be covered by the mercy of Jesus they just simply ask, Jesus, be my Savior. Forgive my sins. And when you pray that, even here this morning, when you pray that today, your sins are forgiven. The wrath of God is satisfied. The mercy of God is put on your life. And the punishment for your sins has been paid for by what Jesus did on the cross. And that is another reason why we worship. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. and We worship you and praise your name. Name above every other name. And I just pray for, for those in here who... Um, Man, maybe they've just been church attenders for a very long time. I just pray that through this whole series, they just recognize church attendance does nothing. It is only through Jesus that we're saved. I pray that this morning we wouldn't just, we wouldn't be tolerant people, but we also wouldn't be prideful and unmerciful people. But we recognize that without Jesus, it doesn't matter how good you are externally, internally, there's a punishment ahead. And we would begin to pray with a greater intensity for those who don't know you. We would get a little bit more boldness in asking people, hey, I see that you're drowning. Could I talk to you? Hey, I just wanna share something that's happened in my life want to invite you to the church that I go to and we begin to look and see if you might put people in our way that we could share the good news of Jesus with. May we never think they're good enough. May we ever think that Jesus would disrupt their life because you will disrupt our life. But it's the only way. It's the only way to receive mercy. You're the only way to receive grace. We just pray this over us. God, for anyone in here this morning making a decision to follow you, thank you for your salvation. Thank you that as they ask you to forgive them and be their Lord and their Savior, you always say yes. Just pray, God, that you soften our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.